That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to, well, a win, but a complicated, convoluted uh, backdrop to the win at Ball Arena on Monday evening, one 16-111. Nuggets get a uppercase W over the Philadelphia 76ers in a game that was completely overshadowed to a degree that I don't really remember uh, this season anyway. A game being played where the game on the court um, was so secondary to a narrative um, and not even it's almost more than a narrative like it's just kind of um, closer to fact and just a factual scenario rather than a constructed uh, narrative and you guys know full well uh, the hype and anticipation that was uh, ahead of Monday's matchup we had we had like forecasted the matchup about two weeks in advance like we talked about it uh, repeatedly here uh, on the podcast and sort of uh, zeroed in on a two-game stretch, uh, hosting Milwaukee on a Saturday and hosting Philadelphia on a Monday. And in terms of the MVP race, which is what this was about, uh, because the Nuggets, you know, got out of their little slump, and, we, like, it, it's clear they're not going to lose the number one seed. So the the MVP discussion became more front and center, Embiid, um I th- look, Embiid's been playing great, and, and I and I've been saying on this podcast, hey, I, I'm not into pushing other people's heads down uh, to raise someone else's up. But we were so looking forward to this matchup, and the the odds start well. It, it flipped to Embiid becoming the favorite, and we talked about that. We covered it uh, in, in yesterday's episode, recorded on Monday morning. Um, at the back half of the uh, podcast, we put the interview when I went on Philadelphia radio on WIP the number one station there in Philly, and talked about um, the dynamics between Joker and Embiid. Um, This was about as big of a head-to-head matchup from a a singular, you know, one-versus-one player that we are going to get. Both at the center position, both with about the same amount of wins separated by one game, both with similar odds, Embiid with a, you know, Embiid being favored and and Joker uh, being um, the second most favored and look, I, I, I just, I almost, I almost can't believe how things fell. And what I mean by that, there, there's a lot to this, okay? Embiid, in the last couple of years, has openly campaigned for MVP. He has uh, said things like, hey, you know, people don't like me. People must not like me. And even like gone that route of like, Hey, I don't know what I have to do to win MVP. He's sort of, he's gone on this sort of campaign. He was quiet this year. He was quiet and he was playing his best basketball that he's ever played. I mean, Embiid's the league's leading scorer. And while the nuggets stumbled, 
the Sixers won nine games in a row, and for 10 games in a row, Embiid scored 30 points or more, all with better than 50% shooting. Uh, first time that was done since 2001, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Embiid broke his silence, and I think he broke it at the wrong time, on the wrong day specifically. And and we may not even get to, to the actual game um, like plays within the game. I have some notes. I planned on breaking down the game entirely, but it's almost not even worth it because the game becomes super um, unremarkable. Fourth quarter got tricky or whatever. We'll get to that in a second. But to but but to continue on the Embiid Jokic stuff, Embiid chooses to do a sit down interview with Sham Sharanya, who I believe is with the Athletic, and fires these not-so-indirect, not-so-subliminal shots at Jokic, like specifically, talking about how analytics don't make sense to him because when he watches someone play defense and they don't pass the eye test, and then the analytics say that they're actually a good defender, it doesn't make sense to him. Who do you think he's talking about? He's talking about Joker. He went on to say... That uh, why is there pressure on me? Why is there pressure on me? There's people who have won two MVPs and have never won a championship. Who do you think he's talking about? Steve Nash? No, he's talking about Joker. So even as I took the air in Philly on Monday morning and came on and and did the radio show here in Denver afterward, I didn't quite um, really understand the shots that Joel was taking. So this piece goes out on, on, uh, on Monday morning, kind of mid morning or whatever. The, the, the quotes are sort of surfacing on Twitter and being repurposed and retweeted or whatever. There's a separate article that comes out from ESPN that MB agreed to do. And so these, these, uh, uh, um, uh, pieces come out, especially the Shams one, it comes out and it starts going viral and then in the same probably three four hour window as these quotes are picking up traction he's ruled out of the game with a tight calf guys he just played on friday and saturday evening or excuse me not friday and saturday yes yes actually friday and saturday played on friday and saturday mb did he played 38 minutes and 32 minutes Okay, those are major minute games in a back-to-back scenario where you had to travel. Okay, so it wasn't just back, a, a, a home back-to-back. They were in, um, I believe it was in Golden State, uh, or um, yeah, Golden State on a Friday night. Traveled to Phoenix and played the Suns on a Saturday. So you were good with playing in a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. You had Sunday off, and now it's time. To, to play your counterpart in the MVP race who you just more or less pounced on in the media and and you sit the game out. That just rubbed me the wrong way. And the timing of his media campaign launching on the same day that he chooses not to participate in the game in Denver has really left a bad taste in my mouth. This is c- coming from someone who has tried to be fair and tell Embiid's side of the story here in Denver. That's not that has not been a very popular stance. You understand? Like my co-host 
is screaming and squealing about how yo you know Jokic is getting screwed and to, to win the MVP. I'm like, okay, that's that's if if you have Jokic as your MVP, that's great. So do I. But let's not let's not be dismissive of the season that Embiid's having. He's number one scorer in the NBA, one of the best front court defenders we have in today's NBA. Um, they were winning games, so let's not act like it was just out of thin air that because you know Kendrick Perkins said something goofy that everyone just was like, oh my goodness, we better vote for Embiid. Like, I don't think that's what was going on. So this is coming from someone who has tried to tell the or paint the whole picture of what the basketball is. And even even me, who has tried to be fair as possible, this is this really um, that lost me on Monday that lost me. And and he wasn't even with his team on the bench. So how about that now? There was some folks that say he didn't make the trip. That may not be true, okay? I heard a whisper that Joel Embiid was in Ball Arena on Monday evening. And 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 the whisper was was a, was a good whisper. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, you know, Jim and Evergreen on the, on the text line. Like, so, again, man... That would be that's that's really disheartening that Embiid in a moment of, of a high leverage moment of the MVP, I think it was calculated. I think he thought that the downside of playing Jokic for a second time and losing uh, after beating Jokic and the Nuggets in Philly, which he outplayed Jokic and they 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 won fair and square. But now you got to come and play in Denver, and I think it was calculated from he and maybe even his team thinking that the downside of not playing. And having the solo victory over Jokic on national TV in January was better than the potential downside of playing and losing and having an even matchup. Okay, you won in Philly but lost in Denver. But the, but the thing is, like, Embiid hasn't played in Denver in the last three seasons. I mean, think about that. There was a lot of Philly fans in the arena. Uh, I was told on Monday night... I wasn't there. I watched from home. Um, but there was a lot of fans that were disappointed that are Philly fans. So... I don't think Embiid did himself any favors. I think he uh, tried too hard. I think he tried too hard to steer the narrative and be in the driver's seat and control the message. And by not playing and doing this media tour and having it released uh, on the same day, I just, you lose me. You lose me. Um, So the odds since this happened in the last 24 hours, have gone to a coin flip. Embiid has gone from a favorite of like minus 180 to about plus 110. Jokic is about plus 105, depending on where you look. Yesterday's decision hurt Embiid, and I'm happy that that's the case because that's the wrong way to operate. I didn't like it. Okay, um, moving on quickly. Uh, we, Like I said, we planned on breaking this game down from like the nuts and bolts of the game. Um, we're not going to do that. Uh, today, I just don't think it's uh, as interesting as the other conversation that had you know gas poured on on an already burning uh, fire. But I, I will share uh, a couple a couple notes here. I loved the first possession of the game. Jokic aggressive off the rip. It wasn't even a great shot um, as Deadman played pretty good defense. 
and I thought it was a tone setter. It was a small little footnote of the game, but I thought it was a tone setter from Jokic that I'd like to see more often, and I saw it, and he was um, definitively going to shoot the first shot of the game, and I just made a little note of that. I liked it. Um, I thought the second unit did a good job there. Uh, the combination of, of Zeke Naji. Um, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Jamal uh, Staggering, uh, and Bruce Brown did a good job there of getting out in transition, getting stops and getting out in transition. That's been a pretty good recipe over the last week or so. Um, the half-court offense isn't going to be overly inspiring. That's just not not what um, – it's probably just not going to change here. Uh, but getting stops and getting out and running and letting those athletes, Zeke, Christian Brown, Jeff Green – Bruce Brown, all good athletes in their own right, uh, get out and run, and it was working. Uh, Bruce Brown, the monster jam, uh, diving down a back door uh, and the pocket pass from Jokic. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Christian Brown. It seems like he's uh, finding his confidence again. You could see that in his just nonverbal swagger. Um, he goes 5 for 10. Uh, Bruce Brown, uh, hopefully I didn't say Christian Brown. I'm talking about Bruce Brown goes 5 for 10, 6 for 7 from the free throw line. Very aggressive uh, getting to the free throw line uh, as much as anyone not named uh, Jokic on Monday evening. He made six of them, finishes with 18 points. Really liked what I saw there. Um, Aaron Gordon. Um, I want to see what his game log looks like from three because unless my um, uh, eye and gut is fooling me, he has really struggled, and I have it now. 0 for 3 against Philly, 1 for 5 against the Bucks. He was 2 of 3 against the Wizards, uh, but 0 of 3 against Brooklyn, 0 of 2 against the Knicks, 0 of 1 against Detroit, 0 of 1 against Toronto. So it's been a rough uh, two weeks. Uh, Aaron Gordon, my suggestion would be just getting back to basics. Uh, they were talking about another broadcast, uh, Katie Wingy, and it was like, he, he can just be the cleanup man. Um, not saying don't take a three because he is a capable three-point shooter, but not a reliable one right now. Uh, so get back to basics, being aggressive, um, finishing at the bucket, not needing the basketball to be successful. That's where I think Aaron Gordon's the best version of himself. Um, but on the whole, I thought Gordon was pretty good, uh, it was, and it was a plus 20 uh, when he was out there. Um, what else here? Uh, Tobias Harris is the highest-paid 76er. I didn't realize that was the case until they mentioned it on the broadcast. Holy moly, that's not ideal. Uh, one of the most encouraging uh, points of the game for me, was from Jamal Murray and a drive that he had, uh, I think it was in the second half, and it wasn't more than two two weeks ago, we were wondering about the health of Jamal Murray. And it does look like he has a thumb issue, and it's wrapped, and it's very uh, he's being very ginger with it. Um, but I saw that guy attack the basket with incredible fervor, hang in the air with uh, Tyrese Maxey, it seemed like he was up there for about three full seconds, and he had the right-handed finish with some English, and I thought that was just a testament to the lack of thinking. And when you're not thinking out there and you're being explosive like that, you're healthy. So uh, it was just a one you know, singular anecdotal moment in the game. But for me, um, I thought it was just another good sign that Jamal is heading in the right direction because, like I said, it wasn't too long ago. We're like, is this guy like going to be healthy for when it matters most? Um, haven't had him healthy in the playoffs in a few years, so obviously of paramount importance. Um, seventh time this season with 10 or more dunks. They had 13 dunks in with seven minutes left um, 
in the game. These guys were flying around. Uh, Jeff Green has had incredible highlights this week. Bruce Brown making Sports Center's top 10 on that dunk we talked about. Just a, such a compact athlete and lifting off. But Christian Brown's put back dunk. Uh, in the second half of that game in the fourth quarter that he caught with one hand was as impressive, I think, as any other dunk we've seen this season from the Nuggets. The Nuggets, and we talked about this about a month ago, they, they are, they are low-key one of the more athletic uh, teams in the NBA. They're not, they're not billed as high flyers, but don't sleep because they, they have a couple dudes that can still go. Um, Jokic, another triple-double, 25 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists on 8 of 11 shooting and 9 of 11 shooting from the free throw line. He forced the issue. I loved what I saw in his 35 minutes of play. Uh, I thought he was terrific. He was casual at points. He was aggressive at points, uh, and he kind of found that balance. That is his 105th career triple-double. That is now just one triple-double behind LeBron James and two behind Jason Kidd. The Nuggets are 27 and 2 this season when he has a triple double, and he has more triple doubles than the next three players in the NBA combined this season. So, and I'm going to pull it up here in just a second, and we'll finish with this uh, and look ahead here um, uh, to uh, the remainder of the schedule here. And I wanted to pull this up. Okay. Uh, Jokic is slowly, not slowly, quickly uh, working his way into the top five all time. So Le- uh, in triple doubles, LeBron is fifth all time right now with 106. Jason Kidd is fourth all time with 107. By the end of next week, uh, which will be the end of the season, Jokic should be fourth all time in triple doubles at 28 years old. That is freaking remarkable. Remarkable. Okay, let's look ahead uh, to the schedule before we uh, bail out of here. Um, if Jokic, oh, Jokic is averaging 9.9 assists a game. Uh, I think he needs about five more in addition to averaging 10 a game that he needs to spread out to officially average a triple-double. It's that close. Um, but here we have three, six, seven games left in the season. The next game will be Thursday evening uh, at home against the Pelicans. That game is on national TV on TNT. And then over the weekend, they'll play in Phoenix on Friday evening. And then be back hosting the Golden State Warriors at 6.30 on Sunday evening. So... Uh, uh, a fun little stretch here, Pelicans, Suns, uh, Golden State, and then we'll come back in here on Monday, and there'll be just four games left in the season, and we'll be looking ahead to the NBA playoffs, and MVP will be crowned, and um, in terms of that regard, these next uh, games are are very important for Jokic, as we have a full-blown coin flip with seven games left in the season for the MVP, just insane. Uh, Okay, we'll leave it there for now, guys. Uh, Thanks for being here. Rate, subscribe, tell a friend. Best way to grow this podcast. Uh, Appreciate you spending uh, your time with me. And we will look forward to Thursday night against New Orleans at Ball Arena on TNT. And whatever happens on Thursday, you already know. We're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.